chance for a woo, Steph. Yeah, Lent is upon us. Here it comes. Not quite yet. No. Wait for it. I'm waiting. 40 days and 40 nights before you get to do this again. Here it comes. I got this. You didn't woo. Did he cut you off? Whoa. Oh, no, you pointing at me made me nervous. Oh, I thought you did it. It was like no. you're like I'm, one of those I am Japanese a solo movies. Wooer. I, I don't need prompted. Oh, I saw your That's lips okay. moving, but I did not hear the woo either. That or you sounded remarkably so like the, the third again. day guy. Sorry. Anyways, good evening everybody and welcome to another always, always very special <laughs> episode of Ignite Radio Live over the Five mighty stations. Woo! There, I got it. Of Annunciation Radio. You are with Greg and Stephanie Schleter and our very dear and special guest, Dr. John Wood, who we will um, have with us in a moment. But just delighted to be with you and uh, blessed beyond words to have this opportunity just to share his love, his spirit. Our Catholic faith is alive and well. Amen. So, folks, we're on the eve of this amazing retreat not just to give things up, but think of it this way, to surrender lesser things so he can flood us with greater. And a great uh, term that our church gives us from the ancient days, our older brothers and sisters, the Jews, the Hebrews, is the Paschal mystery, the Paschal feast, the lamb. And Pasch literally means to pass over, to pass through. And we are passing in our very nature, God transforming us. We are, we are on this journey with Christ to pass from death to life, right? We're going into the desert with him to die to ourselves, that we can experience his greater glory alive within us. And God reminded me of that. Uh, you may have heard the phrase, boy, I'd rather have a car wreck or a car crash or something like that. I don't know who said that, but I've, somebody once said that, kind of like the, sure. tooth, the toothache type <laughs> we'll of thing. It, we'll give it to I'd you. I'd rather have a car wreck. Anyways, that happened to me a few weeks ago. I don't have sound effects here. I'd have a cluck of <laughs> awe in the background. Oh, so a few weeks ago, my car crashed. It was a um, slick sheet of ice over snow that hadn't been paved on a busy road. I won't give you the details. But anyway, so we're talking death here, right? You know, not a happy event. I thank God for the inner peace, though. But the grace that came out of it was encountering... Quite frankly, uh, a service shop, a body shop that is run by a very committed Christian man. And the whole operation um, from the top to bottom was quality, was great communication. And, uh, and it was today that I was at Steve Grabkey Body Shop um, where he came out and he, you know, we were chit-chatting, if you will. And um, in conversation, he was very eager to share with me that he's a follower of Jesus Christ and how Christ awesome. is the heart of his life. Awesome. And he shared the story how many years earlier, um, a woman had come to him with in need of her car being repaired. And of course, it was the early days he said money was not there. And um, he was very moved in the spirit to, to take care of her, to take care of her car. And uh, she brought him a plate of cookies later. So he did it for free, offered it for free. 20 years later, he shared with me. He got a note from a young man who said, um, it was from West Point, actually. It was, a, it was a, somebody in West Point. He said, you may not remember this, but 20 years ago, you took care of my mom. Mm. 
And I just want to pay it forward. And he just had said that he recalled that day that instilled in him a sense of, of, of Christian love, a sense of self-gift that even led him to the point of being at a military, the military academy, a nation service academy. And uh, so very moving for Steve, the owner of Steve Grabke's Body Shop, to share that story with me. And so as we're talking about this and sharing our faith in the lobby, we're not hush-hush about it. And his employees were, you know, also equally impressive. Um, he took me back to his back office and his wife, Jeanette, was there. And she, she has a beaming smile about her and she's kind of doing whatever clerical tasks. He shows me this um, bulletin board full of pictures. There must have been 15 or 16 pictures of people. And he shared with me that each one of these were missionaries that they support. I was moved. I mean, I moved to tears. And then he punctuated what this is all about. The pictures, the car, uh, auto body shop, the whole deal. He simply said, this is what we're all about. Mm. So I haven't really created an award, but tonight I'm going to create an award. Today's... Building the Kingdom Here Award goes to Steve and Janet Grabke. Very grateful for them. If you're in the Toledo area, I can't recommend more highly. If you want quality care for your car, auto body, somebody who has great integrity, it goes to him. So bottom line is, okay, crash the car, Paschal Mystery. Through that crash, I got to meet a brother in Christ with a great heart who does great work. That's awesome. When uh, Greg called and said, I know why I got in the car accident, I thought it was like some they found some defect in our car <laughs> and we wouldn't have to pay our deductible or anything. But that was a greater story and just very moving and so true. And it is awesome how the Lord places people deliberately. You know, in, with God, there are no coincidences, right? It's all providential, which is a beautiful grace. Amen. Amen. So we began our lit groups last week, our Lenten lit groups in preparation for this great, and some are beginning this week. And but, some are yeah. starting this week. So um, following the marriage retreat, as many of you know, we really encourage the push to um, have many of these couples and other invited couples to gather in their homes and to do this for seven weeks during Lent to grow in faith and fellowship and be um, serious about sainthood, which we're going to talk about tonight. We call it the SAS factor. My wife likes that yeah, word. Yeah, do. So it's she just kind of it, fun. Dubbed it. Yeah. We give you permission to sass. have SAS, to be serious sass. about sainthood. So just beautiful stories already happening. Um, and the, on the seventh week, we are all invited to come together for a very special Lenten Ignite at Lourdes University here in Toledo. Tuesday, on March 20th. March 20th, yes, at 6. 15. 15. So um, just again, there's no such thing as quit coincidence. Believe that the Lord is bringing these different couples together. Some people are doing it as singletons. I know Holy Trinity in particular um, has really taken this Lenten challenge and has gone very serious about it. And the so entire they parish, Father Dander and on down. Absolutely. Have a number of small groups forming, doing um, these... Uh, lit gatherings, lit groups. Yep. <laughs> thank you. Family groups. Group yes, groups. Father Jeff Macbeth. I mean, just down in um, Huron. Just, and we know it's happening in other places too, but it's beautiful to see when a parish embraces um, the idea of growing small. So we're in our own lit group, Steph, for you personally. Our first one, we chose kind of younger families um, that we can be a blessing to with younger children. We deliberately chose, invited um, four couples uh, that can join us. And we are blessed to have our first this past Thursday. So three moms, uh, two, just, uh, two of them have newborns, one on the way, I believe. 
Uh, you're shaking your head. It's okay. Younger it's families. Tear. What was your experience on Thursday? Just awesome. Just awesome. Again, believing that the Lord brings things together like this and people together for a reason. And just the opportunity um, to, and I always say I hate the word share because it has such negative connotations. From when we were growing up, mm-hmm. it was kind of the... Kumbaya, yeah, exactly. clowns, warm, fuzzy feelings, right, exactly. catharsis. <laughs> but just like to really um, share encounters with each other, what the Lord is doing mm. and getting to know people and, you know, um, sword sharpening swords, so to mm-hmm. speak, and just the wisdom that can be shared among us and um, just to kind of walk together, you know, just that in this context um, of community to grow together, to hold each other accountable, to pray for each other, to, you know, just neat insights that were shared on the gospel, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but just a real blessing. And I look forward to what the Lord is going to continue to do with it. So folks, find out more at massimpact.us forward slash lit leaders, massimpact.us forward slash lit leaders. And I'd say even if you feel like you don't know who those people are you'd invite, it could be one, two, three, whatever. Do it in your home. Yeah, it's not too late. Do it with your family. Do it with your family. We, uh, you Do know, with just your spouse. A word on this. In the past week, I've been so blessed by numerous contexts like this. And I'm so moved. Something's happening in the body of Christ. Men, last week you heard the Exodus 90 guys um, really going after it with this tremendous realm of transformational sacrifices, and if you will, um, and many others who are all about this. Well, my word to all of us is the greatest challenge, especially for us men, it's not going to be, you certainly give up alcohol and give up sweets and those things that may be occasions to discover God more fully. Let me give you even a greater challenge, okay? The greater challenge is going to be for you as men, and I'll say women too, I'm speaking to men, to set aside an hour this week with your family to bring them together to talk and pray based upon the Sunday's readings. And I know some of you, you're met with intimidation, awkwardness, uncertainty. How am I going to do this? It's going to be your greatest challenge, but as a result, it's going to be your greatest reward. God's going to, you know, not just bless you in Lent. He wants to bless those around you. So that's my challenge. Make just this week. Forget about the following week. If you can make the seven weeks, great. But I'm challenging you just this week. Can you do it? There's nothing more important with your discretionary time than to make time to talk and pray. And we make it super easy with this Live It Gathering Guide, massimpact.us forward slash live dash it. So with no further ado, uh, we're going to say a little prayer and uh, bring John Wood on board. He's going to share with us some of his uh, amazing background story um, leading to God leading him in writing a couple books now and up to a current one that's just released and uh, some events that are coming up. So join us right now in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Dear Lord, on this eve of Lent, Make us aware that you see us, you see our hearts, you see our minds, you see our struggles, you see into our marriages and our families as we are, and you want us to surrender it all, that we can receive you all the more, that we can discover you, God, in our brokenness, in our incompleteness, in the Bethlehem that is our souls, that may be our marriages and families. You want to enter that Bethlehem. You allow us the mess, Lord, because you are the Messiah. Give us clarity on the mess that is our lives, God, without necessarily great shame, except shame that draws us to you who are the Messiah and transform us. We give you permission, God, that you give us the courage 
to open our hearts and minds to receive you all the more fully, that 40 days from now, as we approach Easter, it's not just another religious holiday, a day of celebration, but truly we'll experience deeper transformation in our marriages, in our families, in our world. We ask all of this in your holy name, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. With no further ado, we warmly welcome you tonight. How you doing, Dr. John Wood? I am doing great, Greg and Stephanie. So glad to be on the show with you guys. How are you doing? We're doing fabulous. Well, thanks for being oh, good. here. So blessed to have you. So we've been blessed to be partnering for a while here, Dr. John, and you've been all over the country now. You've been putting on these great events that's been transformative. We've been blessed to hold you in prayer. We've been blessed to have you at some of our events. Just a great um, dynamic partnership. But let's speak for a moment, uh, John, to those folks who may not know you at all, maybe the first time on the podcast, aren't familiar with uh, your background story. And just we like to set it up for our listeners, and we keep repeating it. Revelations twelve eleven. How do we defeat the enemy? We need to defeat the enemy. We defeat him by the blood of the Lamb, the Mass, and the word of our testimony. And we encourage our listeners to be attuned to how God is working, to share that witness with those who need to hear. So you're in the hot spot. Share with us a little bit about how God moved in your life to bring you to a point of living so vibrantly with your wife, your family, with this mission for Jesus Christ. Well, I was blessed um, growing up to be part of a great family. I have uh, three brothers, um, um, amazing witness from parents. My mom especially, she has always been heroic um, in her Catholic faith. She raised three boys. Uh, you know, there were four boys, five if you count my dad, actually. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we often complained, we moaned, we groaned, like uh, young people often do. Um, but I can't say my faith was never important to me. It was always kind of important to me growing up, but I never really thought about it a whole lot until um, I went off to college. And um, it's there where those deep roots of faith that my my parents planted for me and my brothers kind of helped me in my journey, those, um, those seeds and roots um, um, really helped me through some difficult times. I struggled my first couple years of college. Um, I actually dated a young lady who was not Catholic, and uh, she really uh, didn't like the idea that I was Catholic. Um, she asked me a lot of questions, and I realized then I didn't really have the answers to my faith. You know, I, I knew what I did as a Catholic, but I just didn't know why. So um, when that relationship ended, it really kind of forced me to start asking questions. Um, my brother started giving me a lot of different materials to learn more about my faith, and I, I just started learning more and falling more and more in love with my faith, and then uh, met my beautiful wife, and she's been instrumental in my journey, uh, my wife Kristen. Um, together we kind of um, we've had similar upbringings, and um, I kind of asked similar questions and found answers together. And when we were married, um, uh, our faith was really the foundation of our marriage, um, foundation of everything we wanted to do in our marriage and raising our kids. And so um, when I settled here in Northwest Ohio, graduated as an eye doctor, um, settled in a little parish, All Saints Parish in New Regal, Ohio here, um, we were challenged to, from our parish to, to dream up new ministries to help our parish come more alive, and that's where um, my ministry really started was in my own little parish. I, uh, my wife and I kind of volunteered to try to get families more on board and more alive in their faith, and um, we started a program called Fun Faith and Family at our parish, um, which, you know, we went into pretty timidly. I didn't really feel confident speaking about my faith, um, kind of went into it kicking and screaming, but um, I think God used that opportunity for me to 
to wake me up even more, and I think the best way to learn our faith is to teach it. And uh, by forcing me to kind of speak about my faith at my parish, my wife, um, you know, started working with the kids at our parish, teaching PRE. Um, you know, together we just really embraced the faith, and um, and that's really where the the book Ordinary Lives, Extraordinary Mission came from. I started trying to, to kind of write down all the things I was trying to speak about, and um, it kind of turned into a manuscript. Um, I've had a lot of great teachers in the faith. Um, from, you know, Matthew Kelly and a lot of great speakers and authors and had an opportunity to meet Matthew Kelly in person and handed him the manuscript. And um, then, you know, doors started opening all over the country when Matthew published my book, Ordinary Lives, Extraordinary Mission. So I would, you know, I'd say, I, you know, I originally prayed to God, you know, I'm pretty introverted and, I, you know, I used to pray, please don't make me stand up in front of people and talk <laughs> and give witnesses, and um, I was pretty scared to do it. But I think um, over those years, um, God changed my heart, and my prayer eventually began to change to, Lord, give me an opportunity to, to share the fire you've given me, to share my faith. I absolutely have fallen head over heels in love with Christ and His Church, mm-hmm. and um, I just can't hold it in. i gotta, I got to tell other people about it, and uh, that's where I'm at today, you know, just kind of writing, speaking, and then, um, you know, my, my children... Um, you know, uh, have been such a huge blessing for me, and raising them in the faith and seeing their joy and awe as young children. I want to help, um, want to help other families and parents um, give that to their children as well. So that's really my mission. I have a hmm. nonprofit organization called Extraordinary Mission, and the the extraordinary mission is really to become saints, to go to heaven and bring as many souls there as I possibly can. Um, and so that's. That's kind of where I'm at today, and uh, the Lord awesome. blessed me with so many great opportunities to do that. And so, just I, mm. I can't say more than you know. I've just been extremely blessed. That is wonderful, John. Thank you for taking this call seriously, and for all that you're doing, for being Catholic, for just responding to that call. Because we are all called to be intentional disciples, mm. and to live it, and to bring others along. And the Lord has given you a special calling and gifts. Um, and your wife and your beautiful children, um, you know, to to do it in this very awesome, unique way. And I just I love just even that phrase, um, ordinary lives, extraordinary mission, because too often we think that it's just the ordinary blah, 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 that it's, you know, God's not in that and we really can't do much and there's nothing much going on that we can affect. But we've all been called, as you, you know, speak about so beautifully to that extraordinary mission of sainthood and and again bringing others with us that's all that's what it's all about so folks you're tuned in to ignite radio live and we're blessed to have dr john wood with us and he's sharing with us his background story and how god blessed him and called him and how he's responding now all over the world all over the country at least uh thousands of people have heard him speak and i'll say if you if you hear uh john wood speak your one word many words are going to stand out but one authentic he's very authentic he authentically shares his journey. There's humor in there. Uh, there's, there's definitely engagement with the church, which is beautiful. I think the richness of our faith, sometimes when you hear speakers, they may inspire us, but you may miss, well, how is this anchored in this this deposit of faith in the saints and this tradition and this great family that we have? Dr. John weaves that beautifully into his sharing. I think you're also going to get both inspiration and encouragement, but you're going to get challenge, and I think that's great. Who wants to go and just hear something uh, that affirms where we're already at. You know, if we were perfect, we'd already be in heaven. So I, I love that about you, John, that you are, um, you're bringing clear insights as to how we can take steps. And I love also that sense of, um, like in this case, Ordinary Lives, Extraordinary Mission, five steps. 
Not that there aren't 100 or 50 or whatever, but five make it really accessible, and it makes it something that, you know, maybe we can reflect on one after another. So you've got a new project out. You just completed it, and you made a little bit of a shift there. You're now with the uh, the 5,000-pound Catholic, I don't know if gorilla is the right word, whatever, <laughs> Ignatius. You're with Ignatius Press, Press, Ignatius Press, which is quite exciting. The name of the book, folks, is The Light Entrusted to You, Keeping the Flight. Flame of Faith Alive, John R. Wood, Ignatius Press. And by the way, folks, Extraordinary Lives, Ordinary Mission, Ordinary Lives, Extraordinary Mission.com. I want to make sure I get this right. Extraordinary, Extraordinary Mission. Mission.com is where you want to go. Extraordinary Mission.com. John, tell us about the origin of this project and uh, how it's playing out right now. Yeah, so, you know, with the release of my first book in 2012, um, um, had all those opportunities to travel and speak and just share my passion and love um, for my Catholic faith. You know, I think one of the most common questions people would ask me is, you know, where where did you get all this stuff and where did you get this, you know, your passion for your faith from? And, um, you know, I, like I said, I, I'm, I don't have a theology degree. Uh, I've, I'm an eye doctor, and I'm living in the middle of the secular world, and I've had to learn my faith through great books and CDs and DVDs and um, find ways to, to pass on that faith. And so um, I think we've been blessed extremely in the last at least 10 years um, um, with an abundance and an outpouring of, of new um, great world-class resources in the Catholic faith. And so um, I've used those resources to learn and fall in love with the faith myself, but also, you know, teach it to the teenagers at our parish that we teach, and then most importantly to my my four children at home. And so I've wanted to find ways to help other people do that. And so I want to share those resources. That's where this this book comes from. The light entrusted to you is based on the baptismal vows that um, every child that is baptized is baptized into the light of Christ, and it's up to us to keep that flame of faith alive. And so. Um, that's where the book came from. Um, I kind of break the, the, the book up into six topics that make up an acronym of the word saints. I think um, that's, again, the goal of par- parents is to help our children become saints. And so um, I break the Catholic faith up into those six, six different categories, and I just share all the resources that have helped me as an adult, resources that have helped me pass it on to teens, and resources that have helped me um, share it with the small children, uh, my children, and other children as well. So uh, that's really where the book has come from, and hopefully it's, uh, it's beneficial for other people. Awesome. So, folks, S-A-I-N-T-S, Saving Grace is the S, yes. Athletics is the A, Instructor's Manual is the I, Need to Know Him is the N, Theology of the Body is the T, Sacrifice and Service is the S. Um, I want to ask you a question John, because we know from the the Pew studies, Kara studies reported in Sherry Waddell's book, and just a challenge that we all are faced with as Catholics is we can sit in the pews and be sacramentalized and nod our heads to the inspiring message, and it can capture us for a moment. And then there's this big chasm between that and actually being committed and in the seat and living it. And we could all put some important descriptives that are required there, Uh, a true transformation in Christ, certainly virtue. Um, And we know, for instance, that, you know, up to 80 percent of those who leave the church are gone by age 23. We know that 40 percent of those sitting in the pew, so those who do go to Mass, 40 percent question if a relationship with God is even possible. We know of those who go to Mass, probably no more than 7% of the engaged. We hear again and again, you know, you know, how many of these people are really, you know, living it? 
And in fact, um, a year or two ago, the study came out that revealed that no more than 13% of those who go to Mass, so again, we're talking those who go to Mass, no more than 13% are even praying before meals. So this book and what you describe for us is embarking on a pretty significant um, endeavor, if you will, to awaken those who've been baptized, who've been sacramentalized, if you will, to see that grace come alive. Um, what are some keys that you see, of course, if you want to refer to these, <laughs> of course, these six great points here, S-A-I-N-T-S, um, what are some of the keys that stand out for you as you've been traveling, as you've been interacting with people and seeing that chasm? What are some of the fundamentals that you, you sense are actually connecting with people? Well, I think, you know, the most important chapter is for chapter four, the need to know him. And um, this is really, you know, why what you guys are doing are so powerful with Image Trinity and helping families start to have conversations. You know, what I really see, Greg, is that, you know, we kind of live in a, a little bit different world today than maybe 50 or 60 years ago, where if we are not um, proactively helping our children not just know their faith, but to learn and fall in love, it's about relationship, it's about encountering God and that, that need to know Him. Um, I think kids, young people especially, they, they thrive on relationship, which you can't just drop them off once a week and build a relationship, or you can't just drop them off at a retreat once or twice a year and expect them to build a relationship with God. That really comes from, from parents who have an access to them every single day of talking to God every day, um, you know, discussing their faith every day, learning it every day. And again, um, from day one, we need to soak our kids in the faith and build that relationship with God. And I think, you know, the parents are the primary educators of the faith, and that's why I really do, in a lot of my talks, I I really want to, my own generation, I want to shake them up a little bit. I want to challenge them to help them understand that Catholicism is really the best gift we can give our children. I think there's genius in Catholicism. It makes us better at everything. It's it's relevant to everything. Like, if you want your child to be a great athlete, then teach them Catholicism. You want them to be successful in business, teach them Catholicism. Mm -hmm. It's grounded in beauty and genius and truth, and everything else can be taken away. You know, your ability to shoot a basketball could be gone in an instant. Your, Your wealth, your possessions, your home, your freedom, your parents, your siblings, they could all be gone in an instant. There's really only one thing the world can't take from us, and that is the hope of heaven, and that is the gift we've we've really stopped passing on. And I think, um, you know, I think deep roots of faith are, is essential because those people that leave the faith, you know, there's new research out there that just came out at the end of the last year that, you know, they say, you know, 50% of millennials who were raised Catholic no longer identify as Catholic, but 89% of them say they never really had a strong faith growing up. So it's really common sense. They're not leaving the faith. They've never been given the faith. And if we're not proactive, proactively sharing the faith each day as parents, as family, and discussing and building that relationship, then we're really part of the problem because we live in a culture now where um, to be neutral is to be um, <laughs> on the losing end. Your kids are going to get taken away by the culture if you're not proactively building that relationship at home. And so that's why I think, um, you know, that baptismal vow is so important. This light has been entrusted to you. You promised to keep the flame of faith alive, and we got to start keeping our promises. And so that's really what the book is about, and I hope it will challenge people but also uplift them because those resources we have now can help us to do that um, in our homes, which can support our teachers and our priests and everything that our parish is doing. But it's got to start in the home, and it's got to start with mom and dad and families discussing and talking and falling in love with God. Amen. Woo! I want to stand up and cheer, John. 
Awesome. It's so true. It's just true. It's just true. You know, and and so many good parents just don't understand, you know, what's going on with their kids or why they're making certain decisions or why they're acting a certain way and not realizing the power that they have, the power that they've been entrusted with. And when, however you just said it, you know, if you're not doing anything, you it's or being neutral, you really have given up. You're you're allowing them. Someone's raising them. It's either you or the culture. You know, and you look around and you don't want it to be the culture. You don't want it to be the culture. There's a point you made that that should not be overlooked. And I think as parents, I often ask the question, John, you know, what's standing in the way? You know, I know it's poured out. Um, The teaching is there. We have more dynamic Catholic resources than we've ever had. They're more accessible than they've ever been. There are more opportunities and events and programs than we've ever had probably in human history. And uh, there are a lot of folks who maybe are going from program to program and and just kind of putting their toe in and going to the next one and putting their toe in. You know, Steph called them Catholic junkies a a while ago. So I'm I'm interested in what, what stands in the way of people actually taking the leap. And I think one thing is maybe... Maybe folks don't realize that this faith of ours is is a fabric of life. It's not just like one book on the shelf with 10 others. You have athletics and you've got, you know, maybe studies, you have work, you know, these different books that we, we've been taught maybe to pull off the shelf when we need them. Catholicism are the pages. It's the ink on all of those pages. So, for instance, athletics. You mentioned this is the basis to be a great athlete. Well, we see Paul, of course, refer to that in running the race. And maybe you can share with us a little story about your own background, John, with running the race. But as a father, I can tell you that my kids would not have excelled in sports, um, and I mean top 1% uh, of basketball and running, were it not for an understanding of those fundamentals of I'm made for a purpose, I'm made for a mission, and all is worship is the way we, 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 we convey it to them. It's not for your glory. It's to do your best for the glory of God. Now, the fact that they're 1%, they could have been 50th percentile or whatever, praise God if they're given it all for the glory of God. But what happens is they're able to transcend themselves. They're able to see and experience a joy and a purpose in what they're doing, in the sacrifice, in the training, in the getting up early, et cetera, et cetera, that is factoring into each one of them. It's an everyday journey. We struggle, yes. But it's factoring into them becoming outstanding human beings that, you know, we see others recognizing in them and tapping them for those excellences beyond just, oh, they pray or they go to Mass. No, praying going to Mass activated makes you the dynamic, fully alive human being God called you to be. Share with us how maybe you experienced that in your running days. Yeah, well, I think wherever you can find beauty and genius and truth, you can find Catholicism, and that's kind of part of meeting people where they are. And so, um, you know, I, you know, that chapter in the book, um, the second chapter, the A, is called Athletics, because athletics were such a huge part of my life growing up. You know, I, um, you know I, I've learned from that battle cry of win, 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 that battle cry of sanctus, 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 and I realized the same thing it takes to make a champion is the same thing it takes to make a saint. And so that's how, you know, if somebody were to evangelize me and my parents, my brothers, my coaches, they did evangelize me. I, I actually, you know, wrote a book about that um, that story. But uh, if they wanted to evangelize me, they found what I liked, and I liked sports, and there's a lot of young people who like sports. And so um, we can find where we are and what we like, and we can teach them the genius of the faith um, where they are. And so the, the, that chapter really can be summed up by whatever you do, do it for the glory of God, and you can apply it to sports or music or or whatever your hobby is, but, um, you know, in those 
virtues that I discovered um, that it takes to make a champion is where I really kind of learned my faith the most. And so I think a lot of people are willing to take, you know, make the sacrifices it takes to become a saint and I, or to become a champion. They're willing to, to go all in. They thirst for that championship. But then we have to step back and ask ourselves, do we, do we thirst for heaven that way? Are we willing to do whatever it takes? Um, and, you know, I, I divide that chapter up into another acronym. I like acronyms. They help me remember things. But the, the principles I use are self-discipline, perseverance and passion, obedience, repetition, teamwork, and, uh, and sportsmanship, um, the acronym of the word sports. Um, you can pick any one of those virtues, and, and you can see how the Catholicism is the greatest coach we have. I mean, it's a 2,000-year track record. I mean, she's produced the likes of St. Francis and St. Patrick and St. Augustine and uh, Mother Teresa, St. John Paul II, Therese of Lisieux. These people were trained in Catholicism, and they were ordinary people, just like you and me. And this faith given to us by God has transformed them into great saints, and, it, and by God's grace. Um, you know, chapters 1 and 2 can be summarized by one sentence that I think perfectly sums up the genius of Catholicism, uh, uh, advice my mother gave me, which is, you know, try your best, let God do the rest. You know, mm-hmm. athletics is about trying your best, giving everything, leaving it all out there, and, you know, saving grace is really about allowing God to do the rest. It's only by the grace of God I am what I am. God, you know, He wants our effort. He wants our best effort to give what we have, and then He takes that and multiplies it tenfold. And so we have to trust God um, in His grace um, to go out and do great things, but we have to play our part. We have to try our best. We have to leave it all out there. Um, and so those are just, you know, examples of how we can use where people are and what they like or enjoy and teach them that what they're really searching for is Catholicism. It's the truth of the faith. It's that relationship with Jesus Christ that's going to make them the champion that they were made to be. Beautiful. Folks, John Wood is with us. He's an author, speaker, and he's um, talking. We're talking now about his latest book just released with Ignatius Press, The Light Entrusted to You. Uh, keeping the flame of faith alive. And again, you can find this, I'm sure if you did a search online, but extraordinarymission.com. Um, I'm going to make this commercial maybe even a couple times, but uh, there's a special event. I want you to mark your calendars for March 3rd, if you're in the Toledo area or can get there by a couple-hour drive. March 3rd, this year, 2018, it's St. Michael the Archangel Parish in Findlay from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. is a free event. That's right, you heard me, a free event. Um, it's the entrusted event is what they're calling it, keeping the faith alive. And uh, tell us a little more about this event and what, what we should expect and what you hope to accomplish. Oh, well, I'm really excited about this uh, event uh, on March 3rd, um, an opportunity for me to, to share, you know, really what's contained in this book. I want to kind of open it up to everybody to come. I wanted to, it's free admission, free babysitting. We, we want to make sure that, you know, parents are able to come as well. And we're going to go through these six topics of the faith um, during the day. There's going to be live music from um, Rachel Ann and Cassandra Acree. There's powerful music mm-hmm. to kind of go along with the message. We're going to give away $400 worth of copies of the new book, uh, The Light Entrusted to You. And it's really kind of a, a celebration of the, the book release and introduction to these topics and how they can help you and your family, um, you know, find resources, ideas, um, just ways of, of learning, living, and passing on um, our great gift that is our, our Catholic faith. And so it's going to be an awesome day, a great event, open to everybody. So I hope uh, a lot of people can uh, can make it to that event. So, folks, um, again, March 3rd is the date. Uh, is, is that a Saturday, John? 
It is a Saturday. It'll go from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. So there'll be three major top talks that will go through these six topics, and then there'll be a couple, um, you know, 20, 30-minute breaks in there to to see all the materials that we have to to chat to meet with a lot of different people from the area. Um, so it's uh, uh, yeah, 9 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. Um, on Saturday, March 3rd. Fabulous. Um, going back to your chapter two, just for example. By the way, I'm cheating a little bit. I walked in the studio tonight, and Ron Finn handed me a copy. We mentioned that you're going to be our guest, and he happened to have a copy. So uh, pretty cool. I perused it as quickly as I can, but there's some things I note struck about this. So obviously yeah. the S, um, S-A-I-N-T-S. Um, I also noticed a color thing, if you could share with us in a yeah. moment what that means. But um, at least yeah. in the athletics, as you were speaking, I love constantly the reference to saints and the wisdom of saints Mm -hmm. um, because we're all saints. We're all destined to be saints, I should say. The only question is whether we we aspire to who we are, our nature. But St. John Paul II, you quote him as saying, every Christian is called to become a strong athlete of Christ. That is a faithful and courageous witness to his gospel. But to succeed in this, he must persevere in prayer. Be trained in virtue and follow the divine master in everything. Beautiful uh, quote. Tell us about the structure, John, and the color thing and what that's all about. Yeah, so my, my kids helped me with this program, and really it's for them. I wrote it for my wife and my children. They're the inspiration of the book, and um, the book, the idea germinated probably four or five years ago now, and I, I uh, you know, it's it's meant to be more than a book. It's supposed to be a learning system, a model to, you know, structured like the catechism with pillars. It has those six pillars that we can categorize the faith and put things in those different topics, and so my, my kids kind of helped me color-code it as well. Um, and so the the saving grace is green. It represents new life in Christ. Um, the A is athletics. It's blue. It's bold. Uh, it represents boldness and strength. The I instructor's manual is um, the Bible, the story of salvation history. It's red. It represents God's love letter to the world and his blood poured out for us. The N is need to know him. It's purple. It represents Christ, the King of Kings. Uh, the T is theology of the body. It's orange. It represents health of mind, body, and spirit. Mm-hmm. And the final S, sacrifice and service, is yellow um, for brightening somebody's day. It represents the, it's the spiritual and corporal works of mercy. And so the colors just kind of help us kind of remember, you know, what the topics are supposed to do and how they're supposed to teach the faith and how, you know, Catholicism, you got to know the whole thing. You can't just pick mm-hmm. and choose. And, you know, mm-hmm. some people love theology of the body, and that's great. That kind of talks about relief or preventing suffering. Well, you also need to know sacrifice and service, which is the, the yellow, which is about, you know, um, relieving suffering. And so sometimes we just kind of focus on one topic, and I want people to kind of have the fullness of the faith and see how everything fits together. And so um, categorizing them that way kind of helps us to make sure we're we're getting a, a good dose of each of the topics of the faith and getting the fullness um, awesome. of the entire faith. So, yep. Awesome. I was hesitating throwing a hardball at you, but in what you just okay. explained, <laughs> well, you're going to get it now because something you said tipped me off, and I'll set it up um, here. Um, so Catholics today are much more comfortable speaking 
about personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We're more comfortable talking about conversion. Um, and, of course, this is in our roots. It's in the patristics. It's, it's in the earliest part of our church. For whatever reason, prior to 30, 40 years ago, if you use that language, it was regarded as evangelical or Baptist or something. But it is the fundamentals of our faith. Do we have a relationship with Jesus? And, of course, ushering us into the life of the Trinity. Okay, so what I think a lot of Catholics struggle with or don't really quite understand is what does it mean to really have a conversion? We're about ready to approach a season of repentance, literally to to turn from our sin, to turn from our stuff, which kind of begs the question, you know, turning to God, what does it mean to have a full conversion? Now, here's what I'm going to ask you, the hardball question, because we're experiencing it from a number of quarters. Those who maybe go to events and even pray from the heart, and um, and I would say, you know, emotionally or in their lives, evidence striving to kind of live for him. But there's some ethical things, the cultural hot button issues that there's, shall I say, some stubbornness in that we all understand. We all have inclinations and desires that we have to master. But there's some hot button issues. And I have to say um, right now there's confusion uh, that maybe there has never been before, at least in my 50 years of existence. Um, and some folks are really struggling with, you know, understanding this, if you will, integration of the heart piece and the head piece as they correspond to a relationship with Jesus Christ. And if we don't speak to the truth, as you spoke of theology of the body, or we're missing the heart, it seems to me that we're really operating, uh, you know, in a very unsteady way. What are your thoughts on that? What advice or encouragement do you have to all of us to all the more repent? Well, I think, um, you know, uh, we need to speak with truth and love. It's not an either-or. It's always a both-and. You know, you, you can't really love somebody if you're not giving them the truth. Um, and and from, a, from a doctor's perspective, um, you know, I can have a, a wonderful bedside manner, but if I'm not actually giving you the medicine, um, I'm not doing my job. You know, the reason you go to a doctor is to find the cure, not just to have a nice, warm environment. So it's really a both end, you know, but if I don't have that great bedside manner and I have the cure, you know, people might not come to me if I'm a jerk. So um, we have to find the, the best model of evangelization, um, and that has to involve truth and love. And I think having honest, deep conversations um, and thinking critically. You know, we have to be able to think critically. And, you know, I tell young people, you know, you have to, uh, if there's something that you don't understand about the Catholic faith or that doesn't, you know, seem, um, you know, and, you know, what you, your opinion is, I want you to kind of ask questions. That's great. But um, we have to start with the fact that, you know, Catholicism has done so much to relieve suffering in the world, and nobody complains about that. You know, nobody mm-hmm. says, you know, the Catholic Church is having, you know, too much social justice, or you're <laughs> helping too many poor people, or you're donating to too many, too many charities, or doing too many, you know, works of mercy. You know, nobody says that. But when the Church teaches us things that can prevent suffering, um, you know, the statistics are staggering. You know, we, we spend $16 billion a year on on sexually transmitted diseases, you know, our divorce rate is approaching one and two, you know, almost 40% of kids live separated from their biological father. These are really red flags that something's wrong, and I think this is where John Paul II was genius in bringing people to the face of teaching that truth and love. You know, he didn't wag a finger at people, he didn't, um, you know, condemn people, but he didn't ignore that we have a problem. 
and we need to be able to ask honest questions. And, you know, I think starting with the idea that everybody deserves to be loved and cherished, I think most people can agree that, you know, we want to do what's best for other people. And if we can get people to agree on that, that the Catholic Church's goal and mission is that we want to help everyone, that she believes in the dignity and respect of every human being. And if we can say, yes, um, I agree with that, too, then we can say, okay, so let's, what's the best way to do that? And sometimes we just, you know, live on emotion. But if we're honest with ourselves, what the Church teaches is genius. It does help us become the best version of ourselves. It helps us um, to live healthy lives. It helps us to flourish, and it helps us to find true peace, true joy, true happiness, not just temporary pleasures or fleeting pleasures that, that can't you know, sustain us or can't satisfy the deepest longing of our hearts. And so, um, you know, St. John Paul II said, it is Jesus that you seek when you dream of happiness. And so I think that's where the conversation needs to start, is that the Church loves you Mm -hmm. no matter where you are, um, and she wants what's best for you. And so I think we can trust her, and we have to be willing to trust her, and that whole message of divine mercy, Jesus, I trust in you, Mm -hmm. that, uh, that you love me more than I love myself and you want me to be happy more than I want it for myself. And so we, we need to have more conversations revolving around true love. Mm. Um, and sometimes love is hard. It's a sacrifice that involves suffering, but it's, it's certainly worth it. And um, that's a conversation our culture needs to, needs to start having. Amen. So Genesis one twenty seven is so powerful because here we see God saying, in his image I made them, male and female I created them, that man and woman in relationship make God known. Literally, the, the, the supreme purpose of man and woman in relationship is to make God, who is love, known. So if any of us have the audacity to live our gender in relationship with one another to God, the enemy is going to go after that. Satan's going to go after that because he does not want God to be made known. And of course, we see that attack on gender. We see that attack on um, an authentic understanding of male and female. And I think one of the key areas, uh, John, I'm interested in how maybe you've experienced this and responded to it, is um, sort of rewriting in people's minds uh, the, the understanding of love, that love is tolerance. And, of course, uh, we know that it falls apart because, you know, if love is tolerance, where do you draw the line? Am I loving somebody if I allow them to kill? Am I loving somebody if I allow them to be adulterous? Am I loving somebody if I, you know, if, if it's just tolerance, but people don't tend to take it that far. But the younger generation in particular, and unfortunately it's seeped up to maybe even many our age, um, have maybe been drinking from the Kool-Aid that says love is tolerance. Do you find challenge with people who hear your message, particularly in that area, and how do you encourage them and speak to them in a way that maybe leads them to truth? In that subject in particular? Yeah, I think, you know, um, there is resistance there, and that's one of the hardest, you know, topics to speak about, because if people aren't open to the truth, if they're not willing to have those deep conversations, to think critically, I think we live in a culture that's just really lost the ability to think critically. I mean, we we can believe some pretty bizarre things. You can see the slippery slope, um, and we just don't think about things logically anymore, and so... Um, I think that all starts with relationship. It's, if, if somebody's pretty hard-hearted, it's hard to just, you know, have a conversation about really, um, really 
challenging topics like that can be involved in the theology of the body. Um, and so I think we need to build relationships, and those conversations are best had when, when we have that relationship with someone we trust. Even if we don't agree with them, um, at least we know that they have our best interest in mind, and maybe they'd be willing to kind of reason and think about things logically and, and truthfully. And again, um, the Church's teachings is good news. It's good news for all of us. We all struggle. We all have disordered desires. Um, mm-hmm. But the truth sets us free. And that message of setting us free, I think, is very, very attractive, that we're not defined by our, our disordered desires. We're not defined by every passing pleasure that we have. We're mm-hmm. defined by our baptism. We're children mm-hmm. of God, and that God made us to be free, and that um, no matter what we struggle with, um, you know, God's going to give us the grace necessary if we trust Him, and um, and we can trust Him. And I think that's um, that foundation to, to convince people that God's love is real, and that we can trust um, we can trust God, and we can trust His Church to lead us where we're calling to be. But um, but you're right; those are those are difficult conversations to have. But they're really conversations we need to start having in our our culture because we can't just sit and do nothing. I mean, the first sin of Adam was not what he did; it's what he didn't do. He stood there and did nothing while his brother was deceived, hmm. and um, I think we need to reclaim, you know, masculinity and femininity in our culture, and especially as men. We need to, to step up, and we need to be willing to do what Adam wasn't willing to do. We need to, do, you know, d- defend, guard, and protect, and speak truth, even when it's difficult and challenging. And I think, um, you know, um, it, it may be hard for people to hear sometimes, but um, it, it's what's best for them, and, and we need to be manly enough to do that and, and be that witness um, and, and be the men God, God is calling us to be, be spiritual leaders in that regard. I love that. You know, in what you just said, pulling uh, some of Father Dave Nuss, is the first time I heard say this, said people don't care what you know until they know that you care. It's like, yeah. rolls off your tongue, right? But the challenge, I think, you're saying is two things. Yes, we got to go there. we got to open that door. We've got to have that conversation. But um, the fabric of it has to be a context of trust. It can't be about winning points or our self-righteousness. And I think um, I love also that you said this is for our abundant life in so many words. This is for our good. This is for our nature. Which of us don't have passions that we need to exercise self-control in? But you study the history of the saints, even just the, the secular human history, and we can see it revolves around the reality of truth that God has revealed. As Chesterton said, we can't so much break the law, we can only break ourselves against it. John, when you're on the road now, you've been, a, you've been at this for a while now, um, and you've been, I presume, to some uh, of the same place, maybe consecutive years and such. Can you comment at all about maybe any growth that you're seeing both in depth and in number from some of the places? You know, give us an insight of maybe how you see grace taking hold more and more among Catholics. Um, I think, you know, honestly, I think this is a, an exciting time. You know, I think um, that there is a revival going on, and, and um, you know, sometimes people complain about, you know, the younger generation, and they complain about the millennial generation, but um, there, there's some extremes there. I, I think that, yeah, there are some millennials that maybe are um, a little bit more rebellious. They're a little bit less willing to practice their faith, but there's also some that are really on fire, I mean, um, that they're really willing to pass that on to to be authentic witnesses in, in their own age group and their own generation. I see that with, you know, confirmation retreats and speaking at high schools in consecutive years that, um, you know, I can come in and I can, you know, speak to them for 45 minutes and try to inspire them. But when 
when a couple of them get on fire and they go to those parties and they're living their faith and they're making it attractive and authentic, um, that spreads quickly among, among you know, young people in different generations. And so um, I think the seeds have been planted. Um, like I was saying before, the resources are there. Um, the seminarians, the, the young priests that we have, um, the abundant um, opportunities and resources of the parishes coming alive, um, families understanding the need more that, you know, I think where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. And you can actually literally see that grace is abundant, uh, you know, abundant where we're at right now, and that I, I'm fully trust that God's going to raise great saints. And you can, you can see it as you go to parishes year after year, um, that uh, that it is contagious. There's nothing more attractive than holiness, and it just takes a few people to get on fire for their faith, and they'll bring their peers um, with them, and that's going to pass on from from you know each grade to the next. And so, yeah, I, I can see it happening. What what's gained quick quickly is often lost quickly. It's going to take time, but um, it, it's happening, and uh, there's a revival going on. And praise God for that. So, just a couple thoughts. First of all. Very cool cover of the new book, The Light Interested to You, Keeping the Flame of Faith Alive by John R. Wood. Look it up, even if it's just to see the cover, and then you'll want to purchase it because it's just really, really cool. So that being said, um, so I'm sure we've had many listeners who have been inspired by you, John, and um, excited. Okay, like, but now what? Like, perhaps their kids are a little bit older um, I haven't done this, or perhaps there's struggles in marriages. Two things that I'd like you to speak to. One, married couples, where do you begin? What's the most important thing? What advice would you give to get this, you know, going again or for the first time? And then also um, with each other in the marriage and then with their children. Well, I think it you know, it begins with prayer and that relationship with God. No matter where you're at on your journey, you know, I have a, um, you know, an evangelization model in my ministry of extraordinary mission um, with three words. It's inspire, desire, fire. Um, we all need to be inspired. You know, Matthew Kelly will say that, you know, people will be willing to do almost nothing until they're inspired, but once they're inspired, there's almost nothing they will not do, and that mm-hmm. begins in prayer. That begins with a real encounter with Jesus Christ, and, um, you know, the enemy's going to attack what's most sacred, and that's the family, and that's the church, and so married couples need to be aware that um, they, their marriage needs to be rooted in prayer and putting God at the center. My wife always draws a triangle, and she says, you know, a lot of times married couples, you know, they try to, the bottom of the triangle is you and your spouse, and they try to go directly across mm-hmm. to each other, mm-hmm. and they can't be their ultimate, you know, you, we can't be our spouse's ultimate fulfillment. Um, you have to go up the triangle, at the top of the triangle is God, and the closer you get to God, the closer you're going to get to each other. And I mm-hmm. think if you can build your foundation of your marriage on that relationship, praying together and, you know, loving your faith together, that will pass on to your children, to your grandchildren, um, and being that authentic witness, people will see what you have, and marriage is literally supposed to image the love of God to the world. And so we need families, married couples, to build their build their relationship together with God so they can be that witness to the world and then, you know, attract other people to the faith, most especially their own kids. And so I think it all begins right there with that prayer, um, not be intimidated. Sometimes I think we ha- we think we have to know everything before we can teach anything. Mm-hmm. And like I said earlier, the best way to learn the faith is to teach it to others, to share it with others, to, to get together, to have discussions, to start talking about your faith and, and making that journey together. And so um, we need to 
we need to work together, and um, married couples need to work together in groups as well. We need that accountability of other couples and their experiences and sharing those struggles and joys with others, and so I think that's where it all starts. Awesome. Folks, you're, we're very blessed to have you with us here on Ignite Radio Live and to be hearing John Wood, a very dynamic husband and father first, but also author and speaker. want to remind you all again to join us on March 3rd, a Saturday at St. Michael the Archangel in Finley, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m., um, giving away 400 bucks worth of his books and uh, just a great day to get away. They, they've got babies sitting. I mean, it doesn't get better than this, folks. Just to have that day, I believe we're still in Lent, right, to... Um Yep. to experience this Freshly. experience. And um, if you want to find out more about John's work, there's a lot to peruse and be familiar with, but um, ExtraordinaryMission.com. You can even hear him sing uh, a parody to Billy Joel's song, We Can't Start the Fire. <laughs> you which, knew that was coming, you know, it just, In fact, you know, we, <laughs> I, awesome. we, we played it actually maybe two hours ago, John, and uh, it, it just I had it playing and nobody knew what it was. And then suddenly it came on and everybody was riveted to see so, you know, if no other reason, folks, go to ExtraordinaryMission.com to hear John Wood's parody of We Can't Start the Fire by Billy Joel, which is a great tour, inspirational tour of salvation history, uh, music set by Nick Nicholas De La Torre from The Tower. And uh, Nick's got, the, I think, the refrain background in there, which is very cool. It does, yeah. So ExtraordinaryMission.com. And obviously, I love your musicians that you have coming, Rachel, Ann, and Cassandra, just very dear. The real and, deal. And uh, beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful musicians. And uh, I have to ask, um, let me see, Rachel Ann, how's her husband doing? Oh, he's doing amazing. Wow, they have an amazing story. But Colin is a big part of uh, Extraordinary Mission. They've been through so much in the last few months. But Colin is 100% recovery. Um, you know, as you know, many people know, he was shot with an arrow, just an unbelievable thing. And he made a, a, a complete recovery. Um, he's back working with our ministry. He's thriving. He's just an awesome guy to be around. And so um, what a wonderful witness to the world of the power of prayer and how he was uh, healed miraculously through all that. So he is doing great. John, I want to thank you for being with us. We're going to close down now with some commercials and into some prayer. But thank you so much, brother. So blessed to be united with you in this region and seeking to build the kingdom here. Please pass along our heartfelt prayers and blessings to your wife and family and your entire team. And, folks, we do hope you join us March 3rd. God bless, John. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Folks, uh, MassImpact.us, join us um, in this great journey of Lent, going deeper. Make the commitment within your family to talk and pray once a week. Receive God's grace. It's so powerful. And he's pouring himself into us, and he's doing so many amazing things, but we got to allow him. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Dear Lord, let your kingdom come, and let your will be done here on earth. In our marriages, our families, this region, this world, as it is in heaven. We ask this in your holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.